This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. For 20% off and free shipping, visit manscaped.com and use the code PROBABLY. Probably science. And welcome to Probably Science. I'm your host, one of three, in fact, uh, Jesse Case. I am two of three. Andy Wood is my name. I'm Matt Kirshen, whatever the last number is. And welcome <laughs> to the show. <laughs> I think I, I want to just jump straight into getting a guest on because, again, someone I've wanted on for a long time, someone whose comedy and writing I've enjoyed for years before I even met him. Uh, someone... Well, me too, before I was even aware. Yeah. Yeah, you, the person behind all sorts of things including the the day-to-day brass eye alan partridge borat uh more recently films like arthur christmas and ron's gone wrong uh it's the brilliant peter bainham hey peter thank you i feel old <laughs> that's, that's ter- the aim, my really. terrible just... negativity all i heard was oh i'm old <laughs> yeah this guy's been around forever and who knows like we're just getting it just in time uh yeah, just, yeah. just in time before I die. Yeah, frankly, yeah, we uh, we knew that there was sort of a countdown on, um, yeah. you know, any any day now. So uh, yeah, no, yeah. it's great to have is you. Is this something I need to know? Is this something you found out? <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this, is, this, this is your. Yeah. This is the yeah. cruelest way to uh, to do a kind of medical intervention. Uh, I, I don't know how to tell you this really, but um, right, well, uh, we've yes, got some terrible news. But hold good. tight because we've just got an ad first, and uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'm all right. Yeah, we um, we originally titled the podcast "You're Terminally Ill," but then no one came on. Yeah, so we've had to uh, sort of trick people this way. That's a, uh, that's a this, great format for a podcast in which comedian, a comedy writers, and, and scientists find out that they haven't got long to live. <laughs> Does that, yeah. Do any of you listen to Brett Goldstein's podcast? By the way. Uh, no, I haven't heard it. No. Oh, it's great! It's a movie podcast called "Films to Be Buried With," and the conceit is you've just died. And then you recap your life in film and pick the movie that's going to be buried with you. But you can tell the guests, he had like Judd Apatow on. And I guess maybe sometimes a lesser famous guest or maybe less busy guest uh, or just a listener knows the format and a more busy guest maybe maybe hasn't listened. So he springs it on you in the podcast that you've died. And Judd just didn't know how to improv along <laughs> with that because he was so taken aback by it. So, no, that's the <laughs> conceit of the show. It's called. <laughs> but this is legally <laughs> yeah, no, no, binding no. that I have died. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's just. Well, uh... <laughs> I don't think there'll be any existential crises on uh, on this episode. Um, Peter, something we always like to ask our guests, um, and you can. There's no wrong answers here. Uh, but what is your background in science? Now that could mean you watch Star Trek as a kid. It could be anything. Um, yeah, it could be t- classes you liked um, or hated at school, or you blew so, stuff mean, up my, in the woods I mean, with your friends. Science, I was really terrible at. Can we swear on this? Yes, this I was yeah, fucking sure. terrible at it. And my daughter's fourteen, and yes, she's going through a time of a, a time of deep pain in physics, specifically or whatever, and hates it or struggles with it. And I can't do a kind of like, well, you need to because I just remember. I remember Benula Tuli's principle. Is that is it something to do with gas? I think. <laughs> And not and pulleys. Close enough, yeah. But pulley, pulleys and gas. There's a Benulis. I, I know they're separate areas of physics, but they made me so unhappy. But I, well, but, <laughs> but also, like, if someone pulleys your yeah. finger, yeah, right. like, you can, they're yeah. related. Whilst making uh, you know how balloons work or something like that. It was just horrible. And so, yeah, that science, but then I do believe in science. And I do, I, I have had the vaccine because I believe in that. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
I, yeah, I don't think we have any. <laughs> you know what I was going to say? I don't think we have any unvaccinated guests so far, but I, I'm yeah. sure we have had some people on the show in years past, pre COVID, who have subsequently. Let's say just taking a hard turn that, in the uh, general it, it, belief system. Yeah, in the we last won't few name years. names, but it's very interesting. Just if you're on Twitter or something, um, seeing who's gone off wow. the rails, and yeah. you know, like the last couple years, people are just in their bubbles, getting radicalized by whatever. And then I always question if I've gone off the rails because it makes you wonder about yourself. You know, I'm like, am I one of those guys that's gotten? Have I gotten weird? No, I'm always pretty sure that yeah, I'm the same one. Yeah, no. You should get those people back. Same. I mean, I think people back, whatever like, it is. find the people who've gone off the rails and gone completely flat earth QAnon and just say, we yeah. thought you'd get about for yeah, a little for recap. sure. And say, tell us when you started to realize that <laughs> all science is wrong. Right. I mean, it always sort of starts as like <laughs> Talk us through it. And then it ends, you know, then it's all the way. <laughs> <laughs> It ends with Jews. Like, it, it consistently ends. It, it, like, it, I mean, that, that is just like every every conspiracy theory. It's just like the path at the end. It just sort of starts with a few and then a lot. And then it's Which is just, interesting, it's, it's Matt, because your great-grandfather wrote the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. That's totally true. I, he was one of the yeah. elders. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it, it was actually... Yeah, it, it, it's you know a lot of people think it wasn't written by a Jewish person. But no, like, yeah. my, my Jewish great-grandfather <laughs> saw a gap in the market. And he, thought, and he just put it together. It backfired, you know. It backfired a bit. But I've got to say, I've I've, I've taken more embarrassing <laughs> writing jobs in my time. Did he? Did he do and, the uh, audio book as well, or did they get like um, John Nettle, John Nettles or? Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? On Audible. It's amazing that it is you know on Audible. It, I, I'm yeah, just shocked that it is on there. But you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it is weird. It's, I don't know. Just sometimes, sometimes know. you don't have the time to sit down and, and read and it. What, you just, you know, if you've got a long commute, what a horrible! If you're stuck in traffic, and whose fault is that? Like, <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's uh, just unreal. <laughs> I I was recently um, is a similar, a very similar thing, but of course without the same outcomes. Um, but I read a book about the Satanic Panic that oh, sort of overtook yes. the U, the U.S. Yeah. in the eighties and nineties. And I didn't realize, I had always wondered where it came from because I was just sort of born into it. And um, so many bullshit books, like people completely making up that they'd escaped some sacrificial cult, um, but just complete bullshit. And those spread on like the evangelical market. Uh, it's just so there's weird. There's such a lucrative market in that. There's, there's also, there's that book as well that was like multi, multi best-selling. that was the the kid who had a oh, talking about experience heaven described. is for real remember that one <laughs> that's how I, that's how it's heaven is for real but i always pronounce that, it as a four-year-old <laughs> heaven is for real wait what what is this a, it's a called heaven is for real <laughs> it's a child of a pastor who coincidentally happened to be in the hospital and have a near-death experience that was uh thankfully recounted to his pastor father who then wrote the book but says it's all out of the kid's mouth when he was under for surgery he met grandparents who died before he was born and stuff and had all these amazing oh. details how could this child who told me this story have had all these details yeah. you have to trust that, that i <laughs> He, this child knew all these things that, that there's no way he it's could impossible. have known that only the, I know. One, <laughs> yeah, and this one's horrible, but um, I remember the, when the Columbine shooting happened, there was a big thing because apparently like um, one of the shooters, this this is still just satanic panic stuff, but one of the shooters asked 
um, a girl if she believed in God or something. She said yes, and he shot her. And then it comes out that's that's all bullshit. But it was this huge thing where her mom goes, you know, she said yes. It was the big she said yes movement. Um, It was like those book and it was all over Oprah and it was a giant. So so multiple people, including recent uh, recent friend of the show, um, Derek, uh, like um, like Derek Brown, well, still, who was we like maybe still four episodes ago. We don't have to say uh, an ex-friend of the show. <laughs> still a friend of the show. But but no, recent friend of the show, ex-guest of the show, frequent uh, current friend of the show, current friend of ours, and, and other people I know. Someone else was, uh, had a thread about this on Twitter recently. Had an experience at church camp as a kid. But this is, I think, I'm going to say one of the things that pushed Derek away from being a Christian. Uh, where gunmen like he they were at this church thing and gunmen burst in and pointed guns at them and like made them lie on the ground and tied what? the leader like the youth group leader up and pointed these guns at them and said do you do you uh do you deny god do you deny do you deny the lord or whatever and 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 then after people said yes or no then they were they revealed that they were the other church oh pastors my god. they oh were the my other god, group leaders the and it was a test it? what was the, the correct answer by the way was it, it that you do isn't it leave I don't know. <laughs> it was appar- apparently you're supposed to say I, d- I refuse uh, to denounce what do you get the Lord. It? What if you? I, what? Uh, whereas Derek was yes. like, Derek was appar- immediately like, "Fuck yeah, I yeah." Do. <laughs> like, well, that, of course that, I yeah. pronounce there, God. It turns out there are several atheists in a foxhole in that scenario. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I. So I am a host on this show. Where was I for this episode? That's insane. Oh, well, oh, no, he yeah. didn't mention this on the show. He, mentioned, um, I I have, I have, he has I, mentioned this at another cr- that's time. That's literally but. criminal. Yeah, that's, this is uh, not relevant to anything, but I had an experience as a child where I was an altar boy. I was a Catholic altar boy. And um, it's not going to go super dark. Don't worry. It's not gonna, <laughs> um, but, uh, well, it is in a way because then uh, a guy, ca- I was uh, doing a funeral. <laughs> uh, me and this other altar boy were at this funeral. And a, um, a guy came in that was known in a very un-PC 1970s way as Mad Jack. He was not known as mentally ill Jack or man. You know, he was mad Jack. And he came in and um, started pointing at the coffin, shouting, who's in there? And nobody answered. And then uh, and then he got a little crowbar from his jacket. This is all true. And then tried to prise open the oh coffin. Oh, my God. Uh, and, and the priest <laughs> came down and got into a whole grapple with this guy as he was trying to open the coffin. And I remember it was my first experience with the other altar boy of something being so profoundly unfunny that we were – pissing ourselves with laughing. And of that course, was the end of my altar boy career. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. I thought it was yeah. going to be a set up for a ventriloquism that. act. Oh, yeah. start to yeah. no, throw. Extraordinary. Anyway. Yeah. No, I would have... Uh, sometimes things are such chaos that it's... You just lose your mind. I mean, if you're not in danger, yeah. you just lose your mind yeah, laughing. Amazing. Yeah, I can't think of anything funnier. As a, as a kid as well... who. Who I'm gonna guess as a kid you had a vague interest yeah. in humor and funny things and uh yeah, yeah seeing, it's that classic thing of it's not yeah it was priest. unbelievable fighting a man not, with a crowbar funny, therefore it's the funniest thing you've ever fucking seen. Is this by the way, is is this true or not? I, I, I presume it's true, but I, unless someone has <laughs> unless a friend or family member has got at your Wikipedia page. But is it true that yes, you are qualified to navigate no. a super tanker? In the <laughs> I uh, was uh, what's a okay. what's a super tanker? A, gi- a giant ship, like a giant giant. Um, well, technically, a, a- the ULCC is the ultra large 
crude carrier. So, um, so oil tankers. I was, I, I was, mm. yeah. Okay. So, got VLCC it, got is obviously, as you all know, the VLCC is the very large, which is about two hundred and fifty thousand metric tons. But uh, no, I was in the. I was having this discussion this morning, and I went with two thirty. That's <laughs> yeah. wow. Then there's the, no, I was in the I was in the merchant navy from <laughs> the ages of sixteen to twenty one. That was my uh, very very bizarre. Uh, circuitous route into comedy. I mean, and so I joined. So I, I spent five years training in the Merchant Navy and studying to navigate by the stars and all kinds of crazy shit. Um, and then I eventually oh, wow. qualified, and um, my graduation, my I graduated to the point where I could navigate a super tanker. Uh, at which point, um, I was made redundant, thankfully, because I would have definitely caused something along the lines of the Exxon Valdez disaster. Because I'm really terrible. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Mad Jack. Mad Jack showed up, showed up and tried to open the super tanker. And then that was yeah. it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the priest. <laughs> Just why, are we, yeah, why do we let both of these onto the boat? You know what tanker. happens every so anyway, time. I was, yeah, I was, I was wondering. But I, but I mean, the no is that I, I, even though I was technically qualified at the time, I was terrible and can't really drive properly. And, uh, um, and then, yeah, and now, now that's a... Horrible, horribly long time ago, and so I would, I wouldn't. It'd be a very bad thing to let me navigate the super tanker right now. Mm. It does lapse. It's not does, like getting on a bike. <laughs> it's not like you get on a bike. You go, yeah, you can always ride a bike now. But like with this, it's like a huge amount of knowledge um, that I, I forgot probably as I was walking out of the exam room. You know, the, the same way if you've done a citizenship exam, Matt. I don't know if you have, but like you learn like. Name five states that border with Canada or something like that, and you literally you're forgetting it as you're saying it. I, I haven't done the citizenship test yet. I'm not quite eligible yet, but I, I will be in about a year's time. And I've, yeah. I've had a look through the test, and I'm I'm quietly confident. I'm quite, I've had a look through, and I I feel like um, there's like a hundred. Depending on the version, there's either a hundred or a hundred and twenty questions, and you have to get seven out of ten right. And when I looked through it last time, yeah. I'd have to be pretty unlucky to get more than three well, you know, questions. You know, at the end, they aim a gun at you and ask yeah. you. Yeah, there are God. some that are just... That's the last up. question on the... <laughs> yeah, it's <Yeah>. just... <laughs> but, but, but bizarrely, because there's like separation of church and state, the correct answer for that one exactly. Is, is, exactly. is yes, I do denounce God. It, yeah. Uh, riding a bicycle is also not but, like riding a bicycle. Yeah, there, do you think people forget? Um, I... I, I, I you totally forget. I just, I mean, you figure it out again quickly, I guess, but um, I've just gotten a bike and I probably hadn't been on a bike in 15 years and just garbage. I was just absolute garbage. We're just going on a fell like, off. need training wheels bad, like really bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Were you sitting on the wrong bit? No, no. It's like, just, what happened? I, I just am wobbly and all over the place. It was like, it was uh, not good. You know, it was like learning to ride a bike. Hey, Matt. Yeah, Andy. We've got a special announcement from our friends over at Manscaped. Oh, are they pregnant? Oh, I, I should have asked that. I, that could also be true. I don't know if that's the case. I do know that they've just introduced their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet. The Platinum Package 4.0. Oh, you guys know Manscaped. They've been our sponsor for a minute and they're the leader in below the waist grooming you can now trust them with the whole shebang. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping by using the code probably. That's right. I think I think a lot of you previously were, were trusting them with a the half shebang. 
No, whole shebang time. Yeah. Summer's here. It's time for entire shebangs. Which is impressive because already, already we like Manscaped because they you they they covered more of the shebang than just about any other company. But now it's not the entirety of it. Uh, yeah. The Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they have offered. Gives you and it gives you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top products. Uh, it's the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. They designed this package to allow you to fully align your entire hygiene routine with Elite products. You'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which works very well, as we have discussed. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, which I have tried mightily to nick myself with and have not been successful. So uh, you can, yeah, that's, you can a, make that's been a disappointment because you you do like cuts. And, I do like to cut scrape. my ears and nose. <laughs> you like uh, abrasions, and you've really been trying to, and no, so far just, failed. Cuts the I'm not saying it's impossible, but so far Andy just hasn't had the skills yet to do I haven't it. been able to. Uh, this, this package also includes the Ultra Premium Body Wash, which I literally use every day. I love how it smells and feels. And the Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Ultra Premium Deodorant, Crop Preserver, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. All these things come in the Platinum Package 4.0. It's it's a great uh, summer gift to yourself or anybody else who you know that likes uh, likes pampering themselves I upstairs mean, or downstairs. This is tempting. Look, look, here, Andy, I know you save money by using the package, so it it, it it combines them all. There's a discount compared to buying them individually, but I just wish there was some, you know, just extra discount that we could offer our, our listeners, especially mm, because of this Our listeners? Well, you know what? I'm feeling generous. So I'm going to say, if you guys use the code probably when you visit manscaped.com, I'm going to personally give you 20% off <laughs> and free shipping. That's my gift to you. And and by the way, we should say that's that's, you know, is is 20% off the price, so you're only paying 80% of the price, but you're still getting 100% of the shebang. Oh, yeah, I didn't cut any shebang out. It was just yeah. pri- price, the price was cut, the shebang is So you're, you're, yeah. you're getting 100% shebang for 80% of the cost. All of the shebang. So enjoy all of that shebang. Again, manscaped.com, use the code probably, and get all of these hygiene products that we stand by and use daily. So once again, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code probably at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code probably. It's time you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. There's an inherent wobble to it. I actually saw a great YouTube science video. I forgot who did it. Maybe it was um, Derek from Veritasium, but about uh, why bikes stay upright and everyone has it wrong. It's not it's not rotational inertia or gyroscopic effect. Like a, if you look at the path a bike takes, um, or they did, they did it by having a bike with a fixed handlebar and they had people try to ride it and you can't ride a bike that is just two wheels straight in line. It falls over every time. So it's not mm. just the fact that both okay. wheels are rotating. It's this constant, you're doing a constant weave, constantly like falling and catching right. it sort of. Right. More, more cool when you see the video. I could probably just link to that in the show notes than describe No, I mean, that, it, but, makes, uh, that makes perfect sense to me, though. I mean, I would assume that that's... Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. By the way, now I want to edit anybody's Wikipedia page to just say um, he, he bets he could navigate a super tanker. <laughs> <laughs> he feels like he could navigate yeah. a super tanker. Yeah. He incorrectly Sorry, I found out on my Wikipedia, he could navigate Wikipedia super tanker. I can't remember what it was, but like somebody if, if, had put an, an incorrect fact in there. It was a really boringly incorrect fact that nobody would care about. It wasn't like he's he was responsible for a string of murders in Cornwall <laughs> in 1995. That sounds very specific, <laughs> like I'm admitting to it, doesn't it? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that, was, that was never me. Um, that was not me. But it was incorrect. And I found out you can. You, you, it's difficult because you can go in under a pseudonym. I created a pseudonym to be able to go in and edit my things because I can. You can usually spot a Wikipedia page that has been created by the person. Have you noticed that? I am the owner of one that looks like it was yes. done by me, but it was not, and it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. The, uh, oh, is that because it mentions the large penis? Yeah. That was me. I was uh, I was just trying to make you yes. feel good. This is Andy T. Wood. Huge yes. dick. Um, I'm always fascinated whenever I'm looking at something on Wikipedia, how recently it was edited. It always says last edit. You know, it'll be like, um, you know, it'll be like last edit five hours ago, but it's just like bacon yeah. or something. And I'm like, what's going on in the bacon world <laughs> or, or the... Uh, like, is there any hot news, you know, happening? <laughs> Just any subject. Yes. I wish somebody would edit mine to make it less weird because so there's a guy, I was in a fraternity, I'm not proud of it, whatever. We all have our moments. Um, and there's a guy whose like, life mission is to um, make it seem like our fraternity was like special in some historical way, which it really was Ooh. not. So like anybody who went to our school was in that. He, whenever possible, tries to make a Wikipedia page. He made one for me like, 10 years ago and it's been like flagged for not being you know significant enough to merit a wikipedia page many times which i'm fine with it getting taken down but it just looks like it was made by me and this guy also anybody who was in this fraternity he also in their wikipedia page says he was in this house and by association the irving literary society which is a thing i know nothing about like he wants to make it sound like there was like a skull and bones secret society is like no there there wasn't there was no I don't know what this literary society would do. I, it's never met. I've never read a book for them. Mm. So that's uh, no. You've never. never actually read a book, have you? Like it's. Wow. <laughs> so it's uh, we have listeners that read books. Have they sent any stories? Yeah, we got all sorts of stories. But I want to do this. Uh, I, I want to talk about sharks first because this um, this is this is not a listener. This was just something that popped up when I was looking on the BBC News website this afternoon. That uh, I do that yeah, sometimes just to see what the news is according to Brits and. Uh, Apparently, great white sharks may be responsible Ooh. for megalodon okay. extinction. All right. A, a study, a prehistoric food fight may have spelled the end for the megalodon, the largest shark that ever lived. A study of the ocean giant's fossil teeth suggests it had to compete for food with another ferocious predator, the great white. The battle for diminishing stocks of whales and other prey may have pushed the megalodon to extinction three million years ago. Uh, environmental pressures such as sea level changes also played a role. Uh... Is that sea level going up or uh, down? How long ago was it? Yeah, good question. Is it? Is it that? I don't know. Is it that the shark was so big that as the sea level went down, they were just kind of like stranded? They're, they were they're, they're just like half out. It just yeah, yeah. In At the times, there's been very little sea. You know <laughs> that we need to. <laughs> <laughs> now we think of sea; it's all over the place. But whew, puddles. But yeah, these things were like 50 feet long. I'm just Googling it because I was like, they weren't comparable in size to the I, great whites. Uh, I, this is, well, I was about to say one of my least favorite things, which is incredible hyperbole. But um, I, I I don't like when there's concept art and it doesn't have a credit and it just says Getty Images because I, you know, I want to look up the guy. I want to yeah. look up the concept artist. Um, that's kind of Jesse's thing, Peter. Is whenever you have one of these articles that has like dinosaurs oh. and somebody does a fantastical rendering of yeah. a dinosaur looking at an asteroid, uh, then we look up that person's other artwork and it's Wait, always found it. Oh, 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 good. Okay, reverse image search. Uh, it's an artist named Warpaint Cobra. <laughs> Let me check it out. 
Um, okay, <laughs> whose who's real name is Mark Turner. There we go. Oh, my God. Oh, yep. I see the Megalodon. Ooh, this guy's got some weird stuff. Link, Let me link please. It. Link, please. Yep. Oh, I didn't know you could do this. Can I Can I look this up so I go uh, on to the it, link? It, the Peter, if you look in the... Uh, where should I go? This is exciting. Jesse, if you put a link that. in there. Yep, yeah, I'll that, show you. That that so this is a, a link to Dreams Time. Mm. You'll see the Megalodon in there. Oh, wow. With no background. Yeah. But this is th- 3D rendering. Uh, when You know, this is like 3D artists. But some of the illustrations, like... So most of the time, the people that do the dinos and yeah. stuff, he's got a pretty cool like Cthulhu creature. People that do the dinos and such normally do um, also just really weird like erotica. <laughs> I found oh, well because they have to. You can't make money just just as a dinosaur right. concept artist. So, um, yeah, this so is. Wait a minute, I'm. Wow. I think the I'm, fact I'm that I'm looking his... at something with a megalodon. I, I guess that's a similar. But then there's uh, this is the same page where there's a, like a shark and a. Like, uh, I don't know. There's like uh, a soldier. Am I looking at the wrong thing here? No, I think so. I think it's just that all of this guy's 3D uh, art. Uh, yeah, no, there's... Yes. there's a yeah, there's a Cthulhu wizard. Cthulhu, like halfway yeah. down under it's Edgar's got a good wizard in there. Yeah, yeah. But if you if you click over under illustrations, oh. it takes you to a new page. Oh, And I he's see. got gray aliens. He's got spaceships. Right. Is this these guys that... The fact, the fact that... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, and there it is. You can see halfway down that page is the image we're looking at. What's that? The Megalodon with the background. Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to No, no. Well, sort of below that, erotica. he's got a bunch of centaur stuff. So, I mean, there's going to be erotica if we keep going. And, and, no, is it like this? Like sorry, elf, Peter, what you had like, to ask? It all's a bit of a weird, pervy Lord of the Rings type <laughs> thing. Like, um, Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's I think there's a big Renfair, crossover. Renfair crossed with zombies, crossed with, uh, yeah. There is. There is a woman in a bikini, like in a sort of like uh, tube top this is a holding pretty, a gun yeah, this in front of the American tame flag. Concept artist, a lot of just like mushroom houses and stuff. Um, sometimes it gets real, real weird. But I'm his sure. avatar itself is that cartoonish dinosaur. I'm wondering if he is like a dinosaur furry, perhaps. Is that a thing? <laughs> Something. Oh yeah, there is a woman with a gun in front of an American flag. That's interesting. Yeah, some fairies. Got some good fairies. <laughs> And then you have to update your costume exactly. every so often as new science comes out. Oh, now I've got to glue feathers onto everything. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, sorry about that rabbit hole, guys. I didn't mean to... Uh... Always worth it. Always worth it. No, that's that's reasonable. So these researchers use zinc isotopes in the teeth of living and extinct sharks as a tool to understand the diets of long-dead animals. Chemical clues in the teeth of living sharks and 13 fossil megalodon teeth suggest the great white shark and the megalodon once had similar positions in the food web and may have competed for the same food, including whales, dolphins, and porpoises. Uh, This may have been a factor in the demise of the megalodon alongside climate change and other environmental Is it different than a porpoise? Or is that a British British American thing? It's a porpoise. It's a porpoise. porpoise No, no, it's just, uh, that could just be an English American. Yeah. I just I didn't. No, know I if, think it's a porpoise. I didn't know if it was a different. I mean, porpoise, uh, like a different type of animal. Um, hmm. yeah, that that's a giant. Uh, that tooth is probably, I'm gonna guess, six inches long. Yeah, they they show in this article. We'll we'll link to it in the show notes as we always do. But this article has, uh, what it looks like a man. I I think it's a man's hand holding a shark's tooth in one hand and a fossilized megalodon tooth in the in the other hand, and it is. 
what like three times the yeah, size in each dimension that, yeah 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 these things were massive i guess there's also like uh, in some cases like being a bigger animal isn't even evolutionarily advantageous right obviously in this case it's not as if we're yeah. overrun by hang on we've just lost peter i think oh, he no. said my whole computer shut down hey did anyone else get i it hey. all very suddenly it's like that and my whole screen went black and oh and yeah all, no that none of that happened here it was very scary you- for a second and then it was all like complete and then my computer restarted Ooh. so i hope well, i hope i haven't got some <laughs> crazy virus now I don't think any of the pages, like, I think that artist page is legit. Or just I don't scrolling down the page, it just went, bah! you know, so it just oh. yeah, shut me down. That was weird. Sorry if we sent you to a site that did that. I don't oh know. My God, yeah. no. I'm on no, the dark. I think... I'm on the dark web now. <laughs> that's it. That's the dark web. Wow. <laughs> I can buy some scary um, ketamine with fentanyl in it or something like that. <laughs> um, Shark fossil placed <laughs> with fentanyl. Yeah. <laughs> Is your podcast a front for a fentanyl? <laughs> it might be. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, I think it's, it's harder and harder to make money these days. You know, there aren't as many mattresses to sell. Speaking of which, this week's episode <laughs> the is brought were. to you by Big Fentanyl. Yeah. <laughs> your number one Sackler, source for fentanyl. sponsored podcast. That's what we all Do know. Do you know, what, uh, I, say, I was talking to somebody the other day about this yesterday of like this. Actually, it was Maggie, our, friend, our mutual friend Maggie, uh, who you've had on the show, I think. About yes. the whole thing of when this stuff, you yes. know, that, did you hear last week, like a load of like ecstasy, apparently. We had an email from our school, our daughter's school, saying a, bunch of ecstasy, a load of ecstasy is coming to LA and it's just loaded with fentanyl and warn your, warn your 14-year-old not to take, you know, make sure they get the good E that hasn't got fentanyl in it. But I was thinking, what's, the, what's in it for the people who do that when they go... That's what, I've, that's what I've been wondering. If their clientele dies, what's the actual economic reason yeah. they would do that? I don't understand that part of it. It's well, not, if like Toyota, if Toyota started making, we're going to make a bunch of Priuses, but they won't have brakes, but they won't know. Yeah. <laughs> They'll go a lot faster once. Like, do they do, they <laughs> do just... it to make to make them cheaper to make? I don't know what it is. It's like a very yeah. weird yeah, it's, business it's decision. Ex- it's an extremely strong opioid. So if they get the formula, I mean, they're trying to counterfeit something. You know that has yeah. uh, normally has morphine in it or heroin or something, but if they but yeah if they get the formula wrong, a bunch of people die. Right. Um, but if they get it right, it's not even the kind of. I mean, I would assume that a fentanyl high is vastly different from whatever drug they're trying to tell you it is. Right. right? So, uh, isn't like it's just morphine is morphine, right? It's just like the amount of it. Right, but if you were buying ecstasy, it's a totally different kind of thing. And if you were suddenly, uh, yeah, I just don't see the the upside to the oh seller. Totally, totally yes but uh, i i would guess it's sometimes just sloppy uh, oh, that makes sense too I, that the is my bit guess it's just the, enough to yeah but isn't ecstasy not the same as like pure mdma like ecstasy can be can have all sorts of weird stuff in it uh, yeah like ecstasy's always been like sort of mdma plus but speed plus right. whatever else just gives it's not an like when you buy ecstasy so yes so it's not when you buy ecstasy so there always like used to be rumored the claims made for this have not been approved by the fda like <laughs> a- <laughs> yeah, just for entertainment <laughs> Sorry, purposes <interrupting>. only <laughs> no no um that but that yeah that, i remember there were always rumors about ecstasy having heroin on in it or certain batches and i remember having like those same conversations we are like what's the advantage to that because they have very 
surely quite significantly different effects and different it, desired effects. But um, yeah, I think it is just that kind of like, ah, just anything that it, makes right. people feel like it's working. So they don't feel like they've been stiffed by a drug. Like, oh, I'm definitely on a drug have, right um, now. A drug scare that's actually real, though. Because it's like, we've had so many bullshit ones, you know? Like, uh, you take one hit of pot, and you'll be addicted to, you know? Yeah. Uh, and Yeah, you'll have, yeah, you'll yeah, have flashbacks you'll, people for the rest never of your come life. Down and, from acid. Uh, but then... Yeah, they're putting LSD in, like, Halloween sweets. And if you just... Or if you just touch the dial on... Un- phone booth and you'll get lsd through your fingers exactly and tripping exactly if you're within 30 feet of uh, crack you will kill your family oh is that like a, mo- most dollar bills are actually made of cocaine <laughs> there was what was that what was that statistic about that, dollar bills is, and cocaine is, or something like that Really? That is legit that that is legit though there is surely like, would have more not cocaine. not any <laughs> yeah but like not in any level that would um actually right have any effect on you but uh they can track i think researchers can track the amount of drugs in a society by the amount of traces mm. of it on, right. on and how good the music is. currency yeah 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 but what we are talking about like were you saying like um a myth that is fake uh sorry a myth that's actually genuine while it is true that there are genuine problems with fentanyl showing up in other drugs and people dying of it what is not true is police having fentanyl overdoses from pulling people over yeah. and there being fentanyl in the air i don't have you no. uh, i don't know if you've seen these stories but there's been a bunch of stories where you know supposedly the police uh, pulled someone over and there was fentanyl and they ended up you know having to administer narcan and uh, to avoid this overdose and it turns out in all of these cases the police officer is wow. just having oh. a panic attack huh because you can't like loads of actual researchers into fentanyl and actual scientific experts have said like you cannot you can't get fentanyl into your system that way you can't od it's it's not even if it's in the air a little bit powderized it's not going to do that you're not going to overdose and those aren't the symptoms of an overdose that's not what an overdose looks like the story of a police officer giving himself narcan uh and it's like yep you wouldn't be able to do yeah. that. You, you, he wouldn't be able to do that if he's having that overdose. And isn't it really just your body shuts bullshit. down? You stop breathing. Like it's not like a. It's not like a, a an upper overdose. It's like just going to sleep, right? Oh. I'm not sure, but uh, but I, I, well, I I'll see if I can track down one of the threads where an expert is talking about this and breaking it down because that that is bullshit. But so basically, Peter, your your your, your daughter's school is. Are, yeah, are they selling high quality ecstasy then as like they, part of a they, fundraiser? They want the good shit, or they want to sell the, <laughs> or they're trying. They got a deal to market the um, the kits that can test if right. the pills are. Although I can't, I don't know right? If it's just school or somewhere else. I read that then they're saying no, those kits don't work. <laughs> it's like, it's like well, a, what I've heard is you would have to like make testing. a solution. You'd have to make a solution of whatever you're taking because even if it was a pill, if there's only like one grain of fentanyl somewhere in it. That could be enough to kill you, and if you just tested part of the pill, you might not get the part that has that in it. So, be careful out there, kids. You could go extinct like the megalodon. Yes, there it is. Which 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 was swimming around in the sea. I'm trying to make some claim that the sea was a solution of fentanyl. Yeah, that's what it was. Just just one drop of fentanyl in the sea, and you could kill by irresponsible drug dealers. Just. They they were out of baby yeah. powder powder and brown <laughs> glass and they just they reached for the wrong jar they reached for the fentanyl jar and it was uh oh that was yeah. God the shark is massive though again that they they previously showed the the tooth side by side in the in the pictures lower down the article they there's a 
a graphic of a silhouette of the Megalodon showing a human scuba diver and then a great white shark. And uh, it's got the, the human is about 1.75 meters long. Great white shark, five meters long. Pretty big compared to the human. Megalodon, 16 to 18 meters long. It makes this great white yeah. shark look pretty tiny. Yeah. So, so that also, yeah, if it is just competition for food, like you were saying um, a bit before, Andy, I think just the... It's not always the bigger the better. Uh, like we've we've talked on this show before about the uh, when I took the trip to Catalina, lovely Catalina Island, which is which is very. If you're in LA and you have a, a spare few days, uh, you can take the ferry over to Catalina. It's a delight. But all the animals there are about a third smaller than on the mainland for that exact reason. That food competition has actually caused sort of reduced like reverse evolutionary pressure in terms of size so rather than getting bigger and stronger they're actually getting and learning smaller, to share yeah right because there is there's an evolutionary disadvantage in I mean, being larger if because you isn't it's that, harder isn't to, that to feed yourself how so. most animals go extinct you know that humans haven't killed is uh you know like the dinosaurs went extinct because of there were there was very little sunlight after a meteor strike there's no food uh, so, you know, the mice and shit uh, took over. <laughs> right? And that's that's why we all have whiskers. And, yeah. uh, well, they didn't all, like, die in a nuclear explosion. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was like, they, <laughs> they fucking starved to death, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the Megalodon wasn't during that extinction. So it was, they say here, 22 million years ago until 3 million years ago. So, yeah, it just couldn't compete, I suppose. So, I didn't know Very that. It's, I, I just always, because I'm an idiot, I always thought, like, the meteor hit and they all just died. Like that, one day. <laughs> Is that silly? <laughs> That's not true. It's that they, no, no, it took, it, it it took, took a while. while. It, would, it was more like a nuclear winter scenario where that would kill more people than the bomb, you know? As we've, as Matt and I uh, talked about working on this show which is now called non-fungible planet um talking about the super volcano that is yellowstone what would happen if that if that blew and it would be massively catastrophic in the in the moment but even more so the fact that you would have this you know a, a year without a summer which happened after a much smaller volcano blew like 200 years ago i think it happened during the pandemic man yeah. why well, is that a thing that could happen could yellowstone blow yeah, but I mean, it, there's no reason to think it would anytime soon, but it could. Yeah, no use, no use thinking about it too much. But um, it would not be good. It would not be good around the whole world. So yeah, the, the, they they do a quite misleading thing on some of the, the articles where they sort of go like it's overdue, which is not how it really works at all. But it, it blows every I can't remember how many million years, and it's hasn't had one in that amount of time now. But that could mean that it's going to blow any time between now or tens of if not hundreds of thousands of years is there a mathematical possibility of that happening at the same time as the also overdue san andreas fault whether they could both happen at the same time or would they cancel each other out i have no idea to be honest but i couldn't i would i would have thought if if a volcano of that or if a yeah if either one if a volcano or an earthquake of that size went off it would probably have some other effects on some other geological things but I, I like know. the canceling each other out can, yeah, no. idea where that's just coincidentally been happening every day for, yes. <laughs> 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 for millions of years. They've both been attempting to go off. Yeah. I'm now looking up can earthquakes or trigger and vice versa. Sure. Which I'm yeah. sure. I, <laughs> or vice versa, yeah. Can a volcano trigger an earthquake? Does it does it lubricate? <laughs> does it oil the 
Okay, yes, a few large regional earthquakes greater than magnitude 6 are considered to be related to subsequent eruptions of some type of unrest at a nearby volcano, but they can only be triggered into eruption if they are already poised to erupt. They just need the inciting incident. Now, okay, can uh, earthquakes trigger volcanoes? (laughs) It's auto-completed as I started. Oh, hang on, no, wrong one. Can volcanoes trigger earthquakes? Have Have we tried to force a volcano to erupt, like popping a pimple? I mean, didn't Zeno do that? I'm behind on my Scientology, but... Um, oh, right. Well, that was with the 747s? Oh, <laughs> with the golden, that the golden 747s? It involved modern day technology, but... Uh, I, I'm pretty certain that Trump must have at some point said... Can we... Are the Chinese trying to force... You know, they, you know what's the thing he said about the, the... He said something about... Oh, he asked if they had a weather gun. Yes. They were sending hurricanes... <laughs> But wasn't he, he asked, was he accusing the Chinese of no? He was accusing the Chinese of doing something else, wasn't he? But like, yeah. Um, well, no. Yeah, the he, he asked. He asked if we could nuke that hurricane. Yes. Right. Because he was so <laughs> fucking embarrassed that he got the track of it wrong and drew with the sharpie, and everybody's oh, right, like, "You yeah. just drew on that map, you dick." <laughs> and then he, you know, since he um, has a very very strong personality disorder, um, can't admit fault psychologically. So then it must be that the Chinese, to humiliate him, have developed a weather gun where they're aiming hurricanes at the U.S. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that, Jesse. A lot of people, a lot are, of saying people are saying it. A lot of people are saying it. You know, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> it's going to be really It's going to be really awful. Um, when for those who are wondering why the... Time, isn't it? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <Sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no right. I mean, yeah. absolutely. It's like we're... we're uh, I I feel so weird, like watching us go towards the iceberg, and everyone's just kind of hanging out, you know? Yeah, it's like it's the not- Titanic, but it's not even at nighttime. Um, it's like that. It's ice. We all see it. <laughs> but the alternatives could be worse. Like a DeSantis presidency would be like a Trump who's kind of competent and just as bad. You know what I mean? Like there are people in his mold who might actually win, who are more capable as as politicians, but have the same sort of dysfunction. So if they primary him, I mean, you know, if anyone primaries him, I think if he chooses to run, he wins the primary. We'll see. I'm hoping not, but yes, I'm, I'm ready for it. Yes. I've already steeled myself for the worst. It does seem sort of inevitable, but, uh, yeah. yeah. And all the state legislatures will send whatever electors they want. Now it's going to be a shit show. And, Uh I, yeah. I swear, Peter, we're not always uh, downers about the political future on this podcast. No, that was, just... I'm sorry, that was completely my fault. I just decided it would be hilarious to to project that Trump's going to win the next election. I'm so sorry. I, I, you know. No. Um... <laughs> um, by the way, volcanoes okay. can also trigger earthquakes, so it can work and both by the ways. Way... Oh, sorry, go ahead. They can... Yeah, it, it says... Uh... Through the movement of magma within a volcano. But in the same way that the Great Fire of London then ended the plague... Do you think that a volcano erupting would then wipe out COVID? Hmm. Oh, yeah. There's not much hmm. science behind that. Yeah, because it's not good in hot temperatures. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, um, by the way, if you're waiting on some big uh, cataclysmic, cataclysmic event that could kind of happen in a lifetime, but um, still not, but on a much shorter time scale than what they're expecting for Yellowstone, um, Beetlejuice... Uh, this isn't the story per se, but Beetlejuice uh, will probably supernova in the next hundred thousand years, which is a blink of an eye in celestial terms. So 
you know, and that could happen in our lifetime, unlikely, but uh, that would be pretty sweet. Or rather, the light could get to us after it happened, however many years ago, and then that light got sent to us. Now, where is that? That's uh, the uh, red shoulder of Orion, Beetlejuice. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely going to, and and a hundred thousand years is definitely a short amount of time compared to the billions of years we usually talk about with the yeah, with space stuff. Yeah, space stuff. Exactly. Wow. Um, I I by the way, while we're talking about space stuff, I I've just come across this thing. I didn't know this existed, but um, we are you aware that there is a company called Spin Launch that is attempting to launch things into space. Just basically discus style. Oh yeah, I saw they put like a GoPro in it, and you saw the point of view of the thing flying. Like, yeah, it's literally just a big centrifugal spinner, and it just it it just spins it around until it's really fast, and then just <laughs> hurls it into the sky. <laughs> like, is like that the Samson. future? Is that the future of space <laughs> travel? Because I mean, given that people apparently throw up. When they're sent to space, anyway. If only you had spinning to it, like just... yeah, it, it cancels out. It's like Yellowstone and and fall yeah, lines. Yeah. It cancels out. You don't throw up. Yeah, yeah they like they put you in the centrifuge thing to test before. Yeah, test your astronaut skills, your G force uh, ability uh, with withstanding ability. That's uh, so like you know a cup, a few a few hundred revolutions a minute. This just like. See how you do with ten thousand G's now. <laughs> just launch. You. I mean, I uh, just I love pancakes. It. I love it. I love um, pre Wright brothers. I I love the yeah. photos of the old flying machines before they figured it out. You know, there's like that. Yep. The, the guy with the yep. like vibrating umbrella chair. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's the other <laughs> attempt to get things into space. They're trying a version of that as right. well. <laughs> just, there's a guy. There's a guy with double wings who's running off a cliff really fast exactly. and hoping to exactly. hit Saturn. As a side thing, can I say I I am obsessed with any predictions of the future, which is a slight adjunct to that. Where this is what it will be like, and if you but you know predictions of the future from the past. And I remember finding this. Oh yeah. There's this <laughs> magazine. It was called. I think it was called something like Popular Science or something like that. And some people a few doors down from us a few years ago were selling old copies of this thing from like the 30s. And the best thing I ever saw was that basically it was like predicting transatlantic travel, flying. But they didn't go, oh, well, there'll be uh-huh. planes that can get from Britain to America because they thought that's never going to happen. <laughs> Instead of which, they were, there were a series of airstrips across the Pacific, so across the Atlantic, like, so planes were, they, they thought a plane's never going to go further than 200 miles, clearly. So we'll just have, a, we'll have an airstrip, like, a, you know, a floating airstrip every 200 miles. It was an amazing prediction. So it just like bounces off there, it. Refuel, um, stop I, there, refuel, stop there. It was like cr- amazing. Wasn't that, I, I think, Popular oh, Mechanics? The is the, is called, that the magazine? Yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. What a pessimistic, yeah, what a not creative, why wouldn't yeah. you just assume you'll get farther and farther with each flight? Like that's. <laughs> but then there's some stuff where it's uh, they didn't get even get close. It's like I've, all the old sci-fi stuff, like no one predicted the internet. Mm. Nobody. It's like it's not in Star Trek. Like they predicted like a big central computer that yeah. everyone, you know. Um, but like I never saw the internet anywhere. In yeah. Blade Runner, like none of that shit. And nobody predicted like the 
self-deputization of everyone is an expert once everyone can communicate easily. Like that should have been, somebody should have predicted that. Like the downfall of civilization being the lack of trust in institutions because of the democ- democratization of all communication. Yeah. Like that might be what ends not only our civilization, for all we know, that might be the reason that no civilizations last much longer after becoming industrialized because they all do this and then they too quickly have this tool that ruins them. I mean, you know that like we're going to dig through some ancient Mayan ruins and just find like a fucking MacBook. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. By the way, speaking of digging through ruins, that actually transitions very well into a story that was sent in. Yeah. By uh, listener Allison Dennis. I'll post the link here about um, mind-blowing ancient settlements that were uncovered in the Amazon. We've talked about this before. Scientists have used LIDAR to try to find ruins that are buried underneath jungles, or at least the sort of remnants of them. Um, So yeah, mysterious mounds in the southwest corner of the Amazon basin were once the site of ancient urban settlements, scientists have discovered. Using a remote sensing technology to map the terrain from the air, they found that starting about 1,500 years ago, ancient Amazonians built and lived in densely populated centers featuring 22-meter-tall earthen pyramids that were encircled by kilometers of elevated roadways. The complexity, is, the complexity of these settlements is mind-blowing, says team member Heiko Prumers, an archaeologist at the German Archaeological Institute headquartered in Berlin. This is the first clear evidence that there were urban societies in this part of the Amazon basin. Uh, the study adds to a growing body of research indicating that the Amazon, long thought to have been pristine wilderness before the arrival of Europeans, was home to advanced societies well before that. And you could see these pictures that were generated with, with LIDAR, so you can see through the trees and, and these shapes that are pretty clearly squarish and uh and man-made um let's see this was in bolivia this that's site amazing. called katoka yeah. that's amazing so yeah by the 20th century archaeologists had yet to confirm these rumors and argued that the amazon's nutrient poor soil wait it was nutrient poor well uh was unable to support large-scale large-scale agriculture and that it would have prevented tropical civilizations similar to those found in Central America and Southeast Asia, from arising in the Amazon. By the 2000s, however, archaeological opinion was beginning to shift. Some researchers suggested that unusually high concentrations of domesticated plants, along with patches of unusually nutrient-rich soil that could have been created by people, might indicate that ancient Amazonians had indeed shaped their environment. And then, yeah, I guess it was 2018, we must have talked about this last, when archaeologists reported hundreds of large geometric mounds that were uncovered because of deforestation in the southern Amazon rainforest, and those hinted at ancient organized societies capable of thriving in one location for years, but we were still lacking direct evidence. Um, let's see, when did they start actually using LIDAR? Yeah, by the 2010s, LIDAR, which is a remote sensing technique that uses lasers to generate a 3D image of the ground below, had come into vogue, and in 2012, a LIDAR survey of a valley in Honduras helped lead to the rediscovery of an ancient pre-Columbian city rumored to exist in the area. The jungle had completely overtaken the settlement since it was abandoned in the 15th century, making it all but impossible to see from the air without LIDAR. So yeah, they've just kept on using this and they keep finding more ancient cities hidden under the jungle. It's pretty Mm. awesome. Now, I don't don't like the idea of there being civilizations, you know, in those places. I think it's just civilizations started in Britain (laughs) in about the the 1500s and... And it looks, but it does look, Matt, like these people, they just abandoned it. They just decided to leave and just, they just all one day were like, nope, we don't like this. And that's what happened to them all. 
<laughs> um, what else could it be? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, if you scroll down, not to do my uh, looking at other stuff on the page thing. Sure. But if you scroll down, are you getting the one that says Cramp Chamber hides uh, in the latest on archaeology? And it'll say Cramp Chamber hides some of North America's biggest cave art. Yes, I am. Okay. Click on that link. Is this cave art of a guy with diarrhea? <laughs> or well, what's happening? We have to link to that also. So yeah. What's, uh, so what's happening here? <laughs> they say the engravings are more than two meters tall. So it's a life-size man with just an exploding ass. It's an or, exploding ass. It, it, could, it could be the front. Couldn't that be the front of him? I mean, that could be like. It could be. No, I've considered that. You know. Yes. Um, I've, I've, it could easily be. Um, Hang on. I don't think I have this link. Where, what are I we looking at? I just linked to it in Uncast here if you want to check it out. Okay. This was in Alabama. I mean, this could have just been a prank, right? This could have this been could ancient, have happened a few years ago. Um, <laughs> ancient joke about diarrhea. No, I mean, just the ancients can also uh, have have their bathroom. Sure, but graffiti. they've also they've cut all the art funding from schools. I mean, this could have happened in the nineties, right? Um, yeah. So scans of an Alabama cave wall revealed an engraved human figure, um, and they show that, and then, but that's with scans. It was hidden, rendered as a drawing. It's nearly one meter tall. Um, and it, yeah, it just sort of looks like a representational figure, uh, but just completely just exploding from the asshole. You know? And it's missing a head, kind of. That's how hard that they. Yeah. But then, so if you look, I, I've, if you look at the feet, I think that might be the front. I think Peter could be right. I mean, look at the direction of the feet. Okay. Either either way, this guy needs to see some kind of ancient specialist about something. I mean, that could be pregnancy. That could be like a pregnant bump and it's exploding out, like alien it style. It feels like it's been done by that civilization's equivalent of uh, the guy at the office who's quite good at drawing. You know, you should, you should have been an artist. <laughs> my, my, you know, <laughs> right, right. You know, no, I'm good, all right, but they're not that great, you know. Maybe he's also, he, he does the, 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 you know, the erotic arts as well. Right, that crashed my computer. <laughs> He's like really good. That that is a, such a hilarious um, form of mediocrity. Is the best yes. in the office. You know, like um, <laughs> like you go to karaoke, like do your Bowie, do it, I and know. it's just kind of shitty. But it's the best. It's, you could go, you could go professional. I'm telling you, you could go professional. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> well, I'm sure That's you've what, all met the commit the comedy version of that guy. If you go to a wedding. Oh God! And go to a wedding yeah. tonight. Yeah. There'll be um, got, 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 I've got another one for you. You can put that. You can put that in your show. You know, and um, I haven't done comedy. You know, but, but, but they usually say put that in your skit. I think your, your skit, saying. your skit, yeah. your individual yeah. skit. Yeah. yeah. But Peter, like with some of the stuff you've worked on, isn't that that's right up your alley, right? Like the the humor of the completely mundane. Yes. Or 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 mediocre, I guess the humor like. The exceptionally mediocre. Um, yeah, so- or the stuff that's not quite a joke. I mean, it's difficult. To no, no, I, yeah. I don't mean the. I don't mean the humor itself. I, yes. I mean the char- the characters. Yeah, like yeah. the um, Alan Partridge. Alan Partridge. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, like yeah. they have they have huge blind spots. Yes. Of uh, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't mean the. I don't mean the uh, writing is yeah. mediocre. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Great. Well, it is often. But no, I know you mean it's like it's that they are like they're just. With Alan Partridge, we always used to try and write things where they were. Sometimes they were jokes because we were doing it in front of an audience. I know he's done 
he's done Alan Partridge since, you know, with not, no, and that's got even, I think it's got brilliant, like, because it's got really, like, very detailed. But we used to write it in a certain way that it would, you'd still have to have, like, some structure to the line that it would get a laugh at the end of the line. But quite often it, it tried to be things that weren't even jokes, like him saying that he wanted a, at one point, his assistant Lynn says to him, like, you know, I, you, you can't, um, we've, we've got in touch with dolphin bathrooms and you can't get, they don't do free power showers for celebrities. And and he says something like, he says, no, I happen to know Martin Lewis, who's a long forgotten newsreader from the, the 90s. He said, well, I happen to know that Martin Lewis got one for himself and for his brother. And there's no joke there. But it's right. that, that's what we were aiming for with that. There's a brilliant guy, um, Matt, you must know this guy, um, John Shuttleworth. Obviously, yeah. Yes. Who's yes. fucking yeah, Graham fucking Fellows. Genius, and he does a character. He's, he's Graham Fellows, and he does this character called John Shuttleworth. I was thinking about him the other day, where he really goes deep on the detail and the mediocrity. And basically, John Shuttleworth is just this older man who just tells you stories. And apparently, he gets a lot of his stories from local newspapers. <laughs> but a, a typical John Shuttleworth line, and it's not even a line. He'll say like, "Oh, I um." I've been, I've been uh, washing. You know, I've been doing a job washing. Oh no, it's a minute. It's just my wife's been washing an old woman. She goes and she gets a job like to help bathing old women. You know, and um, one woman, um, she's been doing karate chops in the water while she's trying to give her a bath. And uh, you know, and she's, you know, she's just there and she turns away to get the towel and she gets splashed with water. And she says, "Did you just karate chop the water at me?" And she says, no one, but there's nobody else there. <laughs> and I did that so badly, but that's the kind of level of like just something. It's genius. It's, uh, anyway. Well, but, that's, and this is just my, from an American point of view. Yeah. Uh, something that I've always thought, I, I mean, I know that it's so shitty to say British comedy. It's like saying British music or something. It's like, it doesn't mean anything. But um, th this like, no, we have music. I, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's very rudimentary. I, I, I don't think the music out of England has ever gotten big. But um, <laughs> this sort of like not, not when a character doesn't know how sad they are, hmm. it's like really, <laughs> I don't know. It's really, really funny to me. Like, um, you know, like the American, the American office completely different than the British office or something. But like, I think like Partridge is... I don't know, like the the um, the Chekhov's gun of his like weird masturbation drawer in the motel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like to me, it was like the funniest recurring joke. I don't know. I don't mean to like fan out. I just think it's fucking perfect, man. No, no, no. I've got a great whole, job, uh, Peter. Oh, thank great you. Job thank you. That. I'll, I'll tell. I'm going to take credit for all British comedy right now. No, I, <laughs> no. My cod theory, and and Matt, you should weigh in on this as well. Is like that. Is that I think it really. I think it's changing, but it speaks to a. The, the fundamental cultural difference between Britain and America. Ooh, how about that for a pretentious statement? And it's basically no, no, the, I, uh, the yeah. British comedy, British comedy series celebrate the failure. And so the, the heroes of so many British com comedy shows, including Alan Parge's roles, are things like Faulty Towers or Dad's Army or, you know, I think, or the, the core character, the hero or the anti-hero of those is a deluded failure so often. And they're yeah. like a person, they're, they're a little man or a little woman who wants to be, not physically little, but like they're a little, who, who wishes they were something more important. And yep. they, they, yep. and so, and we love those people. We love those failures. Whereas American sitcoms, 
you know, the, the, the huge ones like Seinfeld or whatever like that, the central character is the guy is the is quite often the least interesting character. They're kind of the the guy that men want to be and women want to be with, whatever like that. And the loon the idiots are are around them. Anyway, that's discuss. That's my yeah, theory. No, that's I, I just got into Stathlet's flats recently. Oh, I haven't you, seen it. I hear it's brilliant. Yeah. It's exactly what you're describing. And I'm like, yeah, that wouldn't probably wouldn't get made in the US, but it's right. a completely incompetent guy who's right. trying to rent out apartments and I think yeah. it's changing. It's yeah. cha- I think it is slowly changing, but the, like but the, yeah. Sh- surely that has to cuz you know, comedy is comedy. So surely that has to tap into something culturally deeper than just like I mean, it's not eugenics. Oh, yeah. It's not English people laugh at this stuff. It's yeah. like um I, I don't know if it's like American exceptionalism keeps people from embracing that or uh, yeah there's no this you know there's know. no there's no such phrase as the British dream there's no like <laughs> it's not like one day you could be like it's like it's you know so you'll say one day you could be the you could be the president anyone the president whereas like British version of that is that Boris Johnson's a prick isn't he <laughs> it's like right. no. Fucking hate him. Yeah, there's, ooh, look at him. He's the pres. He's the prime minister. Ooh, like we don't really do <laughs> celebrating other people's success, or therefore in our sitcoms. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm on a. No, no, no I think it, it's like a former superpower thing. Like I think America uh, is clearly soon to be a former superpower, and hopefully we'll get some more of those sitcoms. But uh, even even like Veep, but then Veep is created by uh, is Armando. It's created yeah. by Amanda, who also and did Partridge yeah, with Scottish, with Peter. I guess? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I mean, even the, even the stand up, like, uh, you know, I know you you guys all know, like, Stuart Lee, like, Peter, you've worked yeah. with Stuart. It's like, it is a, um, there's an acknowledgement of your own blind spots, even if you're doing it on purpose, because it's still just writing and creating a, you know, enhanced version of yourself. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. I, I like that take, the celebration of failure. It's I like also, it. I just thought of the phrases, which we have a joyous negativity, <laughs> which like, <laughs> it's like when I came, first came out to work here um, and, uh, and, I, and, and, and on the, on the Borat movie. And um, I remember being in the room and being told quite early on when we were trying try to figure out this, the story and figure out this, cause it was like, it was in kind of in bits on the garage floor at the time, and it was trying to figure out how to make this movie based, you know, based on a character that'd been like five minutes on the Ali G show. And I was told early on, listen, when you go out for a drink with people and people say, how's it going? Don't do that British thing going, it's a fucking disaster. Because that's just what we yeah. do, you know. <laughs> because people, American, I don't think you guys, but they said, they, I was told, like, people will generally take you. As take it as read that it's yeah oh it must be a disaster and you go no it's not it's just what we it's how we frame things you know is that <laughs> yeah. true Matt would you yeah like this? I, I I think I think like that is that? true yeah. I think you can <laughs> yeah you can definitely undersell things if you're if you haven't quite worked out the sort of yeah the American mentality yeah. and then you <laughs> just and then everyone just starts talking in town about how the disaster <laughs> yeah, is yeah whereas like on the other hand. It's not a crime here to say it's going really well. Whereas if you go into the pub in Britain, you say, "How's it going?" It's going great. It's so good. People go, "Ooh, get you!" <laughs> like, it's not, I hate yeah. him. Or the opposite of like, "What's he hiding? <laughs> Something's weird." He's like, "It must be a yeah. disaster." Yeah. It's what the megalodons did when after the after the meteor hit Earth. <laughs> it's just things it's are great. great. They've it's never great. been better. We're not. We're only going to die out in like two million times, two million years. That you know, it's fine. 
But by the way, speaking of Borat, I, there's a great comedy book about comedy writing called And Here's the Kicker. And they interview Dan Mazur, who I'm sure you worked with on that. Yeah. Um, and what was most impressive about the writing of Borat was the depth that they went to write like a Bible of this character before any filming or real writing even started. Yeah, yes. And because I'm British, I'm instantly furious and offended that I wasn't asked to contribute to that book. <laughs> so I've taken it to that place. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a whole like universe of, of the, yeah, yeah. I remember walking in and, because uh, they, they'd done a little bit, they'd done some filming when I first, they, and then they, they'd had this whole thing where the, the original director had, had quit and and uh, and they were try and we then sat around from ground zero. That's a horrible definition of it, but like from the beginning of it, I'm not comparing this to uh, recent uh, tragedies. But uh, it was, can you scrub that? It's totally- <laughs> anyway, there we're trying to figure it all out, and um, I've lost my thread here. What was I saying? Um, oh, oh back- yeah, and they had a oh, the yeah, and, they had, and I walked in, and there was there was Sasha, and there was Aunt Hines, who's fucking genius like writer they one of the other writers on it and they had a wall of like ideas and then they had another wall it was basically Borat's village and it had friends uh friends uh rivals and enemies or something like that it was like <laughs> and it was like and, it, on the, and enemies was people like I think gang, gangster Frankie Billet Baev who was the logo and then Nursel Tan Tuliak Bai, who I think is the town mechanic and abortionist, and there's all these different sort of so this list of people. I thought the fact that they'd broken it into three columns of people in the village, and you may never see these people. You might hear their names mentioned, or you might see them referenced for about a second. And I love that nerdy level of detail to your world because I think that's a really it's good, so, right. great thing. And that's also probably for Sasha to internalize before he starts yeah, improvising yeah. with people like, as well. It's just this great thing I, to have that that level of information about the world. Yeah. Now, yeah, and. I, I remember hearing how detailed, like even back in where it started in the 11 o'clock show as these segments, that's where Bor- Borat and also Ali G started. And I remember a friend of mine who worked on that show saying just the level of preparation that they went into every interview with on that, like just the, like I'm, I, I'm sure Sasha is an incredible improviser as well, but they went, they have so many like pre-thought out trees of everywhere the interview could go. So they've got so much yeah, preloaded. They just, they yeah, do there's their There's a lot of forward planning of that. You know, you plot, plot out the story, but each ended interaction, yeah, there's a lot of preparation for that as well. The, the one that sticks out to me is that always seemed like an improvised line until I read this interview was uh, when they asked him what, what his religion is. And he says, I follow the hawk. That was oh, part yeah. of this Bible that you guys had written. <laughs> that's, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. I think he improvised that, yeah. Uh, we should we should just about it's about time to wrap up the main episode clean, uh, we'll Good do it <laughs> thank you that was a clean that was, that was the second attempt at, at that link there and uh <laughs> it was flawless flawless peter where can our where can our listeners find you and everything you're doing uh you mean in my life like in my house in, like in, in, in your life I'm, I'm thinking more professionally <laughs> you frequent or, yeah. yeah like yeah yeah what, what, what time do i take a shower town? what are the access points to the building and like <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like when I'm, you know, just, just uh, sitting down to dinner with my children, what's the best way to come crashing through the... Um, um, what am I doing? Well, I'm I'm thinking up ideas for pictures at the moment. So I don't really have any uh, official calendar, you know. Uh, maybe I should think up ideas at the Hollywood Bowl. I don't, I'll probably have to do it outside because I don't think I could draw a big enough audience, but... Um, so yeah, the nothing. Hollywood writers room. Hollywood Bowl writers room. <laughs> nothing, nothing <laughs> Just... to list at the moment, really. In terms of, you mean what am I? Yeah, 
I'm just yeah. I'm just well, in my yeah. house, well, and you, I'd rather you, not give you, that address away. But you know, um, but some somewhere in California, you can find Peter thinking up ideas. You are on Twitter. Oh yeah, I'm on that. Twitter. I'm kind of rubbish with it. I'm, I'm I'm terrible. I like just do like I, I'll write what I think is a great joke, and it's like you know three likes. You know. <laughs> well, also, uh, uh, listeners, if your podcast listeners, Brain Cigar is is one you should download oh, yeah. and get. Oh, out. Oh, I the... should have said that, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brain Cigar. Uh, which which is uh, very very funny and and silly and weird and you pull in a bunch of uh, some of my favourite other comedy people as guest stars. Yes, we got Julia Davis, who's uh, amazing, um, and yeah, I do that with my friend uh, friend and colleague Jez Simmons. Um, and the basic premise of it is that uh, we have long, very detailed conversations, remembering things that never happened, but we try and do it in <laughs> such a way that it sounds like they might have, uh, you know, like. He, he brought, um, you know, we, we in the first episode we re, we remember when um, David Bowie went through that that um, fallow phase of his career in the early nineties where he brought out Bowie dinners, which were microwavable frozen meals <laughs> with his picture of Ziggy Stardust on the on on, on the box or whatever like that, and uh, uh, and uh, apparently one of them had a peach cobbler in it. It was like a it was like a microwavable. <laughs> so you know that sort of thing we do. It's great. I just I just um, started listening recently. It's very good. Listeners, oh, so check you. it out. We'll, we'll link to that. Yep. So to get that, you can find us probablyscience.com uh, on Twitter at probablyscience individually at Andy T Wood at Jesse Case and at Matt Kirshen. Uh, oh well, we're also plugging stuff. Uh, Glastonbury timetable is out now, so uh, I think I'm actually going to be able to catch Paul McCartney because oh, yes. I, I think I am not clashing with him. I think I'm clashing with the the act before him so i will miss noel gallagher's high flying birds and i will catch paul mccartney that's his new uh, liamless band i'm guessing that is yeah so i i can i can live with that trade-off <laughs> I, can, I can cope with that i can uh I'll, I'll manage that so yeah if you're at glastonbury and you fancy coming on to see me at some point i'm on friday afternoon and saturday evening um and uh and you can uh anything else to plug jesse andy nah man i got nothing Oh, I'm sorry. I do. Right. I'm sorry. On June 11th, um, we are doing another Guilty Treasure at uh, Permanent Records Roadhouse. So come check that out. Nice. And uh, probablyscience.gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover. Uh, probablyscience.com is also where we put our PayPal and Patreon links. So uh, there we go. And uh, we will do an extra story for the Patreon patrons. But for the main episode, thanks so much for joining Thank us, you. Peter. Thanks for having me. And we'll see you next time, listeners. Bye-bye. Bye.